Amen. Welcome to Lake Avenue Church. A warm welcome to those of you especially who might be with us for the first time or who are newer to us. And then to, to those of you who call Lake Avenue Church your home and your family, uh, a very special and warm welcome to you as well. Last night, I took our dog uh, around the block. Uh, sorry, I don't have a cat like Pastor Chuck. Uh, I was taking my dog around the block and I, I lost count of how many homes already were showing Christmas trees up and Christmas lights and in a normal year, this would really bother me, but it really brought me a lot of joy. And, and it is mind-blowing in some ways to think this is the final Sunday before Advent begins. And uh, we've got Thanksgiving on Thursday. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but as we end not only this James series today and begin Advent next week, we want you to begin Advent uh, really fast, if not ready before, like many of the homes uh, I walked by. So I want to just remind you of a few really important things so that you can look forward to them, plan for them, prepare for them. One, as Pastor Chuck alluded to, our family ministries has a, a weekly devotional that will go out, but there is also a drive-through um, family event today to come get the kind of supplies you need and to connect with your ministry leaders through your car with masks on. That's at three o'clock in our parking lot. And so I welcome you to come to that. I also want you to be aware and you can look in our communications that our adult ministries has purchased the rights uh, to give you an online devotional. These are the same devotionals we have used for the last many years through Christianity Today, right? These are the ones, for those of you who, who remember the day where we gathered, you would put a dollar if you had it um, and pick those pamphlets up, but we have the online version for that, and all you need to do is sign up for that. So please get that. Uh, if you're a family, you'll get that one for the week. Uh, this is for all of you individually as well. So you can double dip in the devotional world over Advent, and I think that would be pretty healthy. Also want to let you know that this coming Wednesday will be our final Illuminus, um, and we, during Advent, are transitioning on our Wednesday nights to a, um, a moment called Praying the Season. Pastor Janine Smith will be leading that. So instead of you streaming live kind of an, another uh, monologue content, this is actually a Zoom group. We'll, we'll interact, pray, um, and I want to invite you to start that in, in two Wednesdays. But this Wednesday, especially if you've come uh, regularly or even now and then I, and you're able, please come on uh, Wednesday night. Pastor Matthew John uh, will be part of the leadership of that night, and it will be a, a wonderful close uh, to what has been a really important season. And as we look forward to the new year, we're really open to what God has for us. And I also want to let you know, and remember last week's sermon, Lord willing, here's my Lord willing, uh, tonight will be our final, uh, for now, 5 p.m. live service um, outside. And during Advent, we feel led to offer that service, Lord willing, at 11.30 a.m. Uh, during Advent. Uh, part of that is because it's getting colder and darker, and part of that is during Christmas, uh, we really wanna just mix things up and give you an opportunity to, uh, to be here in person 
Again, only if you're comfortable and, and healthy. And, uh, and again, Lord willing, because I'm watching the same news you are watching. And, and as I spoke in our Friday update, we have a, a really wonderful COVID response team who uh, is working on these things, taking information and making decisions. And we feel real confident that the very few things we're doing outside are, are, are safe and within best practice, uh, but, but we're also prepared uh, should, should the Lord have different plans for us. So Lord willing, we'll be beginning that. All right, let, let's jump into the message. One of the things I have really enjoyed during the past many weeks, a new rhythm for us as a family is my, my office mate, uh, my professional partner is a 12-year-old. And uh, we work at home together on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays pretty regularly. And uh, I have enjoyed being home and learning to work at home. Prior to this, I was still coming to the office every day, just myself and Levi Heidelberg holding the fort down here at Lake Avenue Church, as well as our wonderful uh, uh, facilities team. And uh, in the last couple months, I've really enjoyed learning how to work at home. And one of the things I really enjoy is, for some of you who know, it was either seminary or culinary school for me. On the same day, we toured the culinary school and seminary, and we were at a crossroads. And most of the time, I think I made the right choice. Most of the time. Uh, but being at home three days a week and being able to, while I'm working, think about what I'll be cooking for my family. And I have been on a run over the last month with making soup. Um, different kinds of soup. I don't have recipes, and so the, the hard part of a great soup in our home is Jenny savors it because she knows the likelihood of us having it again will never happen because uh, I'm dependent on what we have in the house. And there was a, a day three weeks ago where I was pretty confident that for this soup to come to maximum flavor, I needed it to kind of simmer for a while. The problem was the day was shortening, and I hadn't showered yet, and I had a meeting that night, a Zoom meeting, and so I tried to do something to uh, quicken up the cooking process so that the soup would be ready and, what, and I could shower at the same time. And I just turned up from a low simmer uh, a little bit higher, thinking if we just hit it with enough heat quick enough, I can make up for lost time. And you see where this is going. I come out of the shower and I'm hearing all the sizzles. I'm hearing all the noises because what had happened is the soup had boiled over. I had turned it up too high. And, and, and if you enjoy cooking, if you know how flavor is established in food, you know there's lots of ways to do that. But for a soup, sometimes the best flavor comes over that long, low simmer. And that when we go too high with the heat, it can actually ruin that flavor. Uh, today we're going to be in a text, and the title of this sermon is called A Simmer Down. And I think what we will see as we end this series in James, as we end this series called Timely, is that we are kind of ending where James began for us, with a very similar instruction as Pastor Chuck has already referenced, to patience. And just like I lost patience and the outcome of which I was trying to create was compromised, the Word of God will speak something very similar to us in a very important context that you and I are living in, that when the Lord asks us to be patient for something, oftentimes our frustrations, oftentimes the things that we want to not be patient for have to do with the people we live life with and the circumstances we find ourselves in. If you remember in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, very, very famous verse for those of us, when James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Today's scripture is James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. If you're able, please stand and see how similar these words are. James 5, starting in verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains? You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, let Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you'll be condemned. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I want to move through this uh, message, and I think what prayerfully you will see is that we've, we felt God call us uh, to, to preach this timely series, and I hope there's been a, a level of redundancy over these last many weeks. I think that's one of the ways God speaks to us. So when we hear something over and over again, we see it illustrated in real time in our lives. And I, I believe that what we will go over today in some ways is just more of the same of what God has for us, but I pray that more of the same in a new way. There's just three observations from this text I want us to look at quickly this morning. And the first one is I want you to notice in verse seven and eight, the perspective James is calling us to this perspective that there is more coming, that there is more to come. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming, verse seven. In verse eight, because the Lord's coming is near, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Uh, that Greek word, speaking of this Lord's coming, is the word uh, parousia. And oftentimes when we see that word in the New Testament, it speaks very specifically to the second coming of Jesus. And I think that can apply here, but the literal definition of parousia is presence and appearing. So you're, you're able to hang with me in either understanding. Is, is, is James writing to this group of people and saying, be patient because the return of Jesus is coming? Or is he saying to them, be patient because the Lord's presence is coming, his appearing will happen? Uh, the point I want us to focus on is that there is more coming with God. That both our human lives are not the only story no matter what situation we find ourselves in, no matter what circumstance that we find ourselves in in this life, there is more. The parousia, the presence and appearing of the Lord is a promise. So this command to be patient is coupled right alongside, be patient because we have a God who appears, whose presence comes. 
Now, in James, he is just coming out of a pretty harsh word for what the Bible subtext will call rich oppressors. He's spoken to the rich who are being indulgent, and in doing so, they're oppressing their workers. So in verse 4, we read this, and it's connected to this Lord's coming. It says, look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who moved your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. The cries of the workers have reached the ears of the Lord. The cries of the oppressed have reached the Lord and he has heard them. And what we have in verses 7 and 8 is the Lord's response to these cries saying he is coming. There is more for this group of people than the circumstance they are in. There is more for this group of people than the people who are oppressing them. They have cried out to the Lord and he is coming. He is coming to the rescue as he has time and time and time again in the Bible to rescue his people from their oppression, from both evil people and from horrible circumstances that they are suffering under. Now for you and me, there are still plenty of people among us who are exploited. There are still plenty of people who can legitimately cry out that they are oppressed. But I think this also works for those of us who maybe we can't say that's us, that we find ourselves in overwhelming circumstances where justice and what is right doesn't seem to happen, that the circumstances around us are, are, are such that we are crying out to God to change and to come into our lives, that the people around us are hurting us. And it's in that same context that we can read and understand that when we cry out to God, that he will appear, that he will bring his presence. There is still a very real temptation for those of you who are human beings to see our current circumstance, to see our current situation with the people around us as the only and main story. And what James is teaching us is that the presence of God enters into our circumstance and it's something we can hold on to. The Lord is coming. The Lord is near. You and I are not alone. The Lord hears the cries of his people. He hears the longings of your heart and my heart. That is who our God is. So whether you read his coming as the second coming of Jesus, or if we read this as a more general promise of God's presence and appearing in the midst of difficulty, the same truths apply. And you've got to have these before we get to these next pieces, because everything hinges on this in the text. The Lord hears the cries of his people. Our Lord sees injustice and oppression. Our God hears difficulty and frustration from his people. Two, the Lord will make right all that is wrong. And we learn in this text that he actually brings his judgment ultimately to these situations. His judgment to circumstance and his judgment to people. So you and I can have hope that there is more than this life that there is more of God to experience. Now, I want you to notice the shift in tone. If you've been traveling with us and heard a great word from our middle school director on Wednesday night, 
You'll notice this, this, this uh, pericope that comes first is this harsh language against, with strong judgment against those oppressors, but then we have a transition in verse seven to brothers and sisters. James is making a shift. He is speaking from a pastoral place to those in the church, saying, yeah, that circumstance and these people are horrible, but you, you, be patient. Be patient, family, because dad hears you. Because dad is coming. This is really important because what follows, if we don't frame it within the truth that God hears the cries of his people, that God understands the difficult circumstances, that God is a God who wants us to to scream out to him that we need him, and he is a God who shows up. If we can't grab that, then this kind of movement that James will take us to with very specific instructions for how we understand people and our circumstance can, could come off as just kind of life tips. Like generally, you should do these things. No, this is embedded in the deep, deep truth that the Lord's coming is near and that, that the parousia of God, his presence, his appearing is part of who we are. So, What James knows and how he'll illustrate this is that it's actually pretty hard. It's pretty hard to say, be patient. In the midst of difficulty, in the midst of oppression, for Pastor James to say, just be patient. he, He understands what it means to be human. He understands wisdom because truth be told, the two hardest places it is for us in day to day living to be patient and to trust the Lord's presence is in our interactions with people and in the midst of our circumstance. So I want you to see this second movement in verses seven to nine. We're gonna use some of those same scriptures. There's some specific instruction of how we are to be patient with people. And the call in front of us from this text is are we gonna choose patience with one another or will we choose grumbling? Be patient then brothers and sisters until the Lord's coming, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. And the judge is standing at the door. Clear, clear command for the brothers and sisters of Jesus. That means you to be patient. But I want you to notice the kind of patience James gives us a very vivid illustration of the kind of patience he is commanding. It's not a patience that pulls away from activity and just says, let it all kind of work out. No, he uses the image of a farmer who obviously has worked the land, who has planted the crops, who did their job in each season. James is talking about a patience uh, that, uh, that, 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 that lets the crop come as a result of the work. The patience this text calls us to is an active patience, a patience that doesn't give up when things and people get hard, a patience that does what patience ought to do, the good thing for today, and yet removed from the results. I think that's important, right? The farmer, all the farmer can do is what the farmer knows, take care of the land, be a student of the season, uh, you know, uh, water, you know, prune, 
do all the things they're supposed to do, but the farmer cannot make something grow. But the farmer can do everything else so that when the crops come, it can benefit. And that's that same kind of patience, an active patience that has us doing the work of knowing what, what, what right and wrong is, to, to know who the Lord is and to con- con- connect with him. But, but in terms of the difficult circumstance we find ourselves in, there's a call to trust the Lord that he's coming and that we are not responsible for the results or the verdict or for all of that coming to an end. Contrary to popular thinking, that somehow if we just think enough about something, you can create your own reality that's anti what James is saying. Be patient and stand firm. Know God, know God's ways. Be firm in the truth of who God is. Now, now waiting is hard. Not being in control is hard. And while we wait and attempt to be patient, we are often quite an irritable group of people as human beings, specifically irritable with one another. James seems to know this very well and speaks very specifically to this when he writes a, not only a command to be patient, but a command to not grumble against one another in the church. Don't grumble against one another. I mean, let, let me tell you what it means in the original language. Don't grumble against one another. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you too will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. This is crystal clear. Do not do this. But man, we do this a lot. Don't do this. But we do this a lot. We speak out our anger. We speak out our assumptions, our concerns, our judgment about someone else in the family of God with oftentimes everybody else in our world except the person. So it's not uncommon for us to be with our brothers and sisters in the faith, speaking poorly of another brother and sister in the faith, or speaking out loud what's wrong with this person or this leader or this pastor. This is common. I've been in ministry a long time, and it doesn't matter what church I have been at or ministry I've served at, grumbling is everywhere, and I think it breaks the heart of God. Just on Friday, I was with a friend of mine who's on staff at EV Free Fullerton, and we were talking about how the pandemic has been going. And man, the stories were quite common. So many encouraging stories. So many beautiful stories about what God is doing in lives and through the church and seeing the hand of God blessing, but also other stories common stories of how because our churches didn't do this, what that church did, this person left, or this person has started to chat more, and there's a growing group of people who are leaving or threatening to leave. It's everywhere. It's every church I'm talking to. The pandemic, be patient. Don't grumble. I think we have some timely words here. See, grumbling is common in the church. Grumbling takes a lot of attention and time. Grumbling hurts our witness. Grumbling creates division and tension, and it is not to be done. In fact, it has never meant to be part of the people of God. Let's back up to Leviticus, the Torah, first five books of the Bible. God describing to his people how he wants them to live in his world. And in Leviticus 19:18, do not seek revenge or hear or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. 
but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is God speaking to his people at the very beginning of all of this saying, this is how I want you to live in my world with one another. Don't do this. And while grumbling might be the norm in our culture, our church cultures, it is not benign. And in this verse, the reality that judgment comes from this kind of speech. Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount backs this up or starts this whole conversation when he says in chapter seven, do not judge or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so what's the point here? Yes, I am a pastor. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to hear second and third hand when people grumble once against one another in our church. It breaks my heart every time. It breaks my heart when you grumble against one of these wonderful staff people I work with or against me. It breaks my heart. The point of this message isn't don't grumble so you don't hurt your pastor. Don't grumble because the Lord's gonna judge you. It's a different motivation. This is not just about the hurt you can cause someone. It's not just about the division that the community can experience. It's the hurt you can cause yourself through bringing judgment on yourself. I, I, I've been at Lake a long time. I have seen, especially when I was a high school pastor, it was not uncommon for us to have a family who chose to be at Lake Avenue Church because of the youth ministry. And when their child graduated out of the youth ministry, uh, the parents would feel like, hey, it was a time for us to go to another church. I have seen many people come and go from church. And I have to tell you, there are some beautiful ways in which people have shared with me why they are going somewhere else. There's also some horrific and painful ways that one I never got to hear, only heard second and third hand. But when I think back to those who have left a fellowship to go to another church and it was void of grumbling, what were those things? One, making sure that if you feel in tension with brothers and sisters that if you're to leave, that it's, not a, it's, it's what God's doing in your life, where he's leading you, not what somebody's not doing. That if you're to leave a fellowship and, and not grumble, to be able to affirm all the good of the church you have been a part of. I, I was with someone one time who was just over their church and they were talking about going to this new church as if this church was the worst thing in the world. And I said, well, didn't you meet your spouse there? At least one good thing happened. I was like, oh yeah. Be able to resolve any conflicts before you go. Be able to speak to your leaders beyond your conclusion. Bring them into the tension. To be able to say goodbye as a pastor with children in a church. One of the most painful things that I have learned how to, not learned yet how to navigate with our boys is when they ask the question where so-and-so is. I don't know. Maybe they're at another church. And I've also been really blessed by those of you who are joining us and come to this church when you come and meet with us and you share why God's brought you to Lake and you disclose to us the journey of the church you were at for 5, 10, 15 years. See, James understands the temptation when it is difficult, when, when the circumstance is difficult, it is so, so easy to just grumble our way in and out of church. And the instruction is pretty clear, be patient. And don't grumble. We'll get back to that in a moment. This advice is very practical. Do not be patient. Do not grumble with one another who are brothers and sisters. And James also gives 
some advice around our circumstance. In 10 and 11, endurance and presence. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. We've talked about the need to be patient and not grumble with people when, when we're in difficult circumstance, difficult moment. And now we're getting a call, as the Bible calls, to endurance in the midst of difficult circumstance. And that what on the, what's connected to this endurance that God is building is his very presence with us. In verse 10, as an example of patience in the face of suffering. Suffering is the circumstance that James is speaking to. And then in verse 11, we count as blessed those who have persevered. Again, this should bring us back to chapter one. When we are told, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James is going to point us in 10 and 11 to very, two very famous examples from the Old Testament, from Jewish history. He speaks both of the prophets and of Job. And I don't have time in this sermon to go over all of them. If, you, if you're not aware, I encourage you, reach out. We can help you walk through, especially Job. We need to preach Job is what we need to do. But first on the prophets. What you need to know about the prophets in the Old Testament is if you were an Old Testament prophet, you had a pretty rough assignment from the Lord you were more likely to suffer than not suffer because prophets always had a difficult message that was delivered to a difficult people under difficult circumstances. And what James tells us, yet they endured. They endured because they knew God was in control. They endured because they trusted the word of the Lord. They endured through difficult task because they understood their job. Their job, lucky on them in some ways, was just to speak things that God said to them. The results of what they spoke to come true were not on them. That was God's to fulfill. So they endured through their task with trust and worship to the one who sent them. Their circumstances were hard, yet it was in their circumstance they entered the presence of the Lord. And they did not allow the circumstance to pull them away from the Lord. So we can learn from the prophets. James continues with the other example by referencing Job. Job endured more difficulty than almost anyone in the history of our world, yet he was faithful to God throughout his trials. For all the things we might say about Job, we can say with confidence that Job endured. He endured because he knew God And he knew that God was worthy to be praised no matter the circumstance. He believed in the sovereign majesty of the God Almighty. James reminded us that the outcome of Job's suffering was redeemed. He gives us two examples, two words, so we can have a perspective and we can have hope that no matter how difficult the circumstance we might face, that we can endure, we can trust God until the end because God is compassionate and full of mercy. Compassion and mercy, the promised accompaniments to suffering, the promised presence of God to suffering, to circumstance, to endurance is compassion and mercy. 
You know what it's like to be with someone who's compassionate and merciful? Being at home three days with my business partner who's 12 years old, watching him do virtual learning, I am, I'm learning how to have more mercy and compassion when the assignment doesn't get done. Because this is hard stuff. Some of us parents need to understand that in the midst of difficult circumstance, if God's response to his people in hard assignments is compassion and mercy, then our response needs to be that of compassion and mercy. And so virtual learning, for those of you who are parents, you're with me on this. For those of you who are grandparents, you need to get this. You, you You know how far it goes when I look at him? Instead of saying, why didn't you do something? But I say, I get it. I understand. You know how many times in your life the Lord says the same thing to you and to me? I get it. I understand. I am the Lord of compassion. I am the Lord who extends mercy. I'm not the Lord who says, get your stuff together. Come on, you can be doing better. The God of compassion and mercy. This is the promise that James points us to. Mercy in the moments of not trusting, not enduring, succumbing, a Lord who extends mercy. Because of the Lord's coming, we know that he will make all things right in the end and that we can endure any circumstance. This circumstance you find yourself in, you can trust him because he is the Lord of compassion and mercy. What I ultimately see in this text is an invitation to intimacy. Just as Job was intimate with God, just as the prophets had an intimate relationship with God, that in the midst of circumstance, there's intimacy with God. So how might we apply this very quickly? One, go back to that first point. There's more to come. Some of you need to begin to cry out to God. You've been crying out everywhere else. Hope that whoever is elected will bring an end to this. Crying, listening to other people give their solves to the world we live in. James says, verse four, I've heard the cry of my people. Have you cried out to God? Sometimes I feel like we just want to paint pretty pictures for Jesus. I trust you, I trust you. Yes, I trust Jesus. But I'm also crying out to God to let him know where I need the trust. Some of you are living in just dire economic realities. Cry out to God. Some of you right now, I'm inviting you to reach out in the chat for a pastor or someone to talk to you. Because you need to cry out, and maybe that's scary territory for you. Let's cry out together. Some of you need to undo some grumbling. Some of you need to undo some grumbling. What a great week for that. What a great week, Thanksgiving, to undo some grumbling. Who have you grumbled to and about what, and how can you pick that up a little bit? Have some humility and go, I'm just trying to figure this out. The reality is, man, this is tough. And my way of dealing with the toughness has been to say these things about these people. 
I think there's an invitation to undo some grumbling. Some of you need to speak up to grumbling. It's one of those mysteries for me in youth ministry uh, when I was a youth pastor that bluntness was, was always great. You wanted, you wanted to be, uh, you could be able to look at a student and say bluntly, come on, there's a different way of living. But then with adults, we've got to dance a little bit. Some of you need to speak up in your Zoom rooms, on your phone calls and in your text message threads and say, hey, let's, let's stop this. I think this is a great week to fill the grumbling space with gratitude. What are you thankful for? What are you grateful for? Some of you this week need to extend compassion and mercy to those who are enduring. So if you're a teacher, some compassion and mercy to your students. If you're like me as a parent, some compassion and mercy to your children. Some of you, some compassion and mercy to your family who doesn't understand why you're not coming this year. Some compassion and mercy around your, even your Zoomed or very safe Thanksgiving conversations. Maybe it's not the year for you to come to the table and be right about everything, but just to enter those spaces with compassion and mercy and even in our overall attitude. I want to close us by applying in, in real time for you what I am grateful for in this season. And while there is lots of things I can grumble about around this circumstance, I've been very reflective the last couple days of the benefits of this season for me on the staff of this church. What you are enjoying week in and week out is because there are people like Stephanie Wong and Micah Smith and Seth Kasten and Mike, Michael Masakian, Kenzo Perkins, who left us a couple weeks ago, Nader Wabi, Monica Davis, Emil Tolkien. I think Dave Scheidler's our only volunteer with the tech group right now, but this group of people and many, many other volunteers who come in and make sure that what, what you get is continued connection with Jesus. And prior to this pandemic, we did none of this this way. And they are wonderful and amazing. And I've never seen one of them lose their cool. There's a lot to be thankful for and grateful for and, and why God invites us to be patient because he's coming. Maybe this would be the week for us to turn our grumbling into gratitude and to show compassion and mercy just as God is compassionate and merciful. Thank you, Jesus, for this, this day. Thank you for the book of James. And I pray not only for me, but each brother and sister, every friend who will listen. God, we pray that it has been a timely season for us by all the noise and difficulty of the world we live in, we have come to your word, we have come seriously to your word, and we've asked you to make it come alive in our life. And I pray for Lake Avenue Church, God. God, that we would send our cries out to you and you alone, that we would become patient with one another, that we would cut off grumbling, and God, that we would take refuge in those who have endured before, and we might come to know you as the God of compassion and mercy, 
so that we can become more and more a church known for compassion and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.